everyone, welcome back to Dad Space, a podcast for dads by dads, and I have, oh, guess what, a dad, and maybe even promoted, even further, grand grandfather? Wow. No. <clears throat> big news, big news. Uh, James Francis with me today, author of the book, There's Coffee in the Fridge, One Man's Journey Through Anxiety and Depression. Um, had him on Living the Next Chapter, now he's here on Dad Space. We get a two-for-one deal. James, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to Dad Space. Let's have you here. Uh, I love it. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to talk about this for sure. It's great. Um, we had again. We had you on on Living the Next Chapter. It was episode two eighteen, which you can find here on YouTube. Right now, it's coming to my player. So just let me upload more episodes. Um, but yeah, exciting to have you there on that podcast. Great to meet you over there, and nice to have you back. the The book you wrote. Again, the title is awesome. I love the story. I want to share the story here again in a moment around the title of the book because that's really unique. But before we get into that, just kind of let people know where you are in the world and a little bit about your dad's story. I'd like to start there. Yeah, sure. So I am physically in Connecticut in the United States. I, uh, I've lived here for about 28 years. I'm originally from New York, and uh, we moved up here to the wide open spaces of, of suburban Connecticut. And uh, it's been an amazing experience, great place to raise kids. And I've been a dad uh, since 1992. My oldest daughter just had uh, her first child. So I'm a grandfather four months uh, in. Wow. And, and yeah, it's uh, it's quite an experience. I, I don't think of myself as being old, per se. No. Um, I, you know, in my head, I'm, I'm, I'm 58. But in my head, I feel like I'm, you know, 18, 17, yeah. 18. Uh, so it's been a really it it's been a very sobering experience, but incredibly joyful and and just magical because you know I know and I talk about this in my book I I take an inventory pretty much monthly about the things that I've experienced that I would not have been here for and this one's huge right and this is something that I would not have been here for I would not have been able to experience uh, and vice versa. Others wouldn't have experienced me in that in that experience. So, really, uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty incredible. Okay, so this is news for everyone listening. Um, I'm actually on the doorstep of this myself. Uh, my youngest uh, is going to be having a baby girl anytime in the next few weeks. So nice. I, I I have I have no sweet clue what I'm doing. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what to think about all of this. Any advice for a soon-to-be grandpa that's uh, shocked and horrified at the idea that someone would trust me with this? Yeah. Well, I have to tell you that when I was going to be a father, I was absolutely terrified. My role model as my father role model was not good. And I talk about that in my book. But I was absolutely terrified to be a dad because I yeah. thought, my God, I, I can't do this. I can barely take care of myself. But um and then, so going into having a grandchild, I was really excited because I feel like I've won at being a dad. And I feel like it's obviously a work in progress always, but um, it's hard for a man uh, to connect with the baby in, in a way that is feels emotionally um, absorbing, I guess, is the way that I would put it. And so... For, for me, anyway, I don't hold people's babies. I'm not like one of those people that is into babies. I've held my own children, and pretty much that's about it. Yeah. Um, and so when this baby came into our lives, obviously I was excited, and, and I, 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 was, I loved her from the start. But I also didn't really have a place because 
She has a dad. She has a mom. My wife was very much into the whole doting experience of being a first-time grandmother. And so I sort of felt out of place for, for about three weeks. It took me, I would say, three weeks to actually connect and bond with the baby in a way that made me feel like, wow. you know. And part of that was you go to the hospital. It was tail end of COVID here in New York was still happening, so you had to wear a mask. I felt like I couldn't really get into the, the whole physical experience, right, which is where I like to connect. And so uh, I felt a little on the outside. It took me a few days to, to really identify what I was feeling. Um, and so my best advice would be just show up with a smile and, and, and be ready for a lot of just kisses on the head, smells. Uh, <laughs> so about two months in, right, baby starts to become more interactive. That's when I started to really bond and, and connect in a way that I'm just, you know, it, I'm over the moon. It's, it's amazing. Well, it's nice to get some advice in advance because, again, I don't know. I I think I'm ready, but I don't. And there's days where I'm like, no, you're not ready. You know, like, <laughs> do you remember anything that you learned back in the day? I don't know. I'm pretty sure I forgot everything. But um, <laughs> my wife is in that full-on uh, grandma-to-be mode. We have baby stuff everywhere. I don't know what she's where she's shopping or what she's doing, but she seems oh. to be nesting as well. Yeah. And I'm like, do we really need a, a stroller, a crib, a bassinet, and a change oh. table? Like we are, I thought we were done here. She's yeah. like, oh well, you know, the baby could come over. I'm like, oh, here we go. So I have a lot to learn. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think that the, the impact of the generation evolution is is pretty mind blowing. Like you know, this child is now coming from my wife and I meeting in college. And, you know, right. so it's a, it's a pretty incredible experience. It really is. A whole new life, a whole new chapter, yeah. right? Everything. Yeah. It's a, yeah. yes. part of, you don't have to change diapers, right? That, that was, they were here, they were here for uh, a week ago for a few days and, and, you know, baby need to be changed. Dad, do you want to change the baby? And I was like, no, dad, dad doesn't do diapers. Grandpa does not do diapers. So <laughs> graduated. <laughs> there you go i love it yeah you guys need to practice i you know hey that's yeah, your job exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. um well congratulations that's amazing for you i'm really excited for you and um i'm getting a lot of inspiration just from talking to you so thank you for awesome. for sharing uh, and if there's new dads out there congratulations coming in, into the season if there's new grandpas out there congratulations uh there's two guys here wishing you well so yeah. thank you for listening to the show um we had you on living the next chapter. And again, you touched on some stuff in that episode together with, with me. And I walked away from there with a whole new um, appreciation for, for men that are really struggling through anxiety and depression. And I wanted you to come on here on dad space because a, I want other dads to hear your story and to hear about your book. Cause I think it can help them directly. Mm -hmm. But I just think that, at times, men can paint themselves into a corner where we feel like we need to have everything all together and everyone needs to see us at our best at all times. We never let the cracks really show. And we could be battling some stuff behind the scenes that even our closest family members don't know about. And yeah. and then we get to a point, that point of no return, that like a pilot might experience with a tank of gas where you have enough gas to get to where you're going or go back, you have yeah. to make a choice, right? So um, as a dad, I just kind of feel like what you've 
gone through and lived through and 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 just thrived through has opened the door to have a conversation around this mm-hmm. in a very unique way. And that's kind of the setting the stage for our conversation today. Um, first of all, let's talk about the title of the book. And again, we have more of this at, we'll go in more depth at uh, Living the Next Chapter, two, episode 218. But kind of, let's touch on the title of the book and kind of the impetus for the book. Uh, let's start there. Okay, great. So there's coffee in the fridge is essentially about the title specifically is about those magical moments in life that are what I think the most important part of life, right? We all strive to um, achieve success in some way, whatever that is, and, and whatever society defines success as. And we look at that and we say, you know what, I've made a lot of money or I've got a great career and I've got a new car or whatever that is. But for me, ultimately, what I've learned is that there are these magical moments in life that are what get me out of bed. And so there's coffee in the fridge derived from just a brief story. I was a business executive. I traveled a lot, um, very successful of, you know, as the society defines it and attempted suicide. And I wound up in the hospital and we can talk about that journey. But um, after that, about two years in, I started to go back to work essentially. And I was uh, heading off to a business trip for the first time in a long time. And I mean, this is somebody that traveled from Monday to Thursday for years. Uh, that was my life. So being anxious about getting on a plane was was uh, a big deal for me. And uh, I was getting ready to go to bed. I had a flight the next morning. I was going to leave at like 430 in the morning to get to the airport. And I said to my wife, um, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to go to the airport. I, I put some coffee in the fridge. I'm just going to grab it and I'm going to go. And my wife is a, is a night owl. She'll stay up till one in the morning. She'll sleep till 10, you know, yeah. uh, and, and do her thing. So I got up at four 30, my alarm went off. I tiptoed around. I kissed her on the cheek. I said, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go. And she turned to me with a big smile on her face and said, there's coffee in the fridge with like, and it just like totally eased my entire anxiety about anything. Cause I was like, holy shit, that's what life yeah. is. Right. You know? And I carried that with me through that entire trip. And it was just an amazing um, touchstone that I that I was able to to have with me throughout my day as I went through this this uh, this first business trip back in the world. That's a huge step, right, to get back into the stream yeah. and back into life and the pressures of life. So, yeah, I love that you have that support from your wife. That is amazing, and that big smile too. I can just imagine her smiling and kind of groggy morning. Yeah, <laughs> that exactly. time of day, I wouldn't be at my best either, but. Um, what a great, that's like a monumental moment, something that you can kind of remember and go back to, right? So I'm glad yeah, you captured sure. that in the book. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about who the book can help as well before we jump in more to our conversation. Yeah, so I think that that for me, I wrote this book for people like us, like me and you, right? Middle-aged guys that, that are, are doing going through life and may not be hitting um, their best stride or maybe questioning whether they're choosing the right things or maybe they're not choosing anything. They're just numb to what's going on around them. And, you know, I found myself uh, after my attempt at suicide, essentially working back to life and really understanding who I am as a person, as a man, as a husband, as a dad. Um, And I think the book will help people that might be struggling or questioning whether they're doing the right thing, whether they're making the right decisions, whether they're walking around numb and not really sure about what is actually happening, right? 
we get out of bed every day. We've got to pay our mortgage. We've got to pay the rent. We got to show up to work. We got a boss who's an asshole. We got yeah. all these things that are swirling around in our lives, right? And so I, this book is for people that want to take a step back and really get present and make conscious choices about the life that they're living and really choosing, understanding that life is a choice. Everything that we do is a choice. And I think that the being a good parent is part of that and choosing things that are positive in terms of how you want to parent and be a dad in, in, in your life. It's that whole showing up thing, which can be frightening for anyone, for a new dad, a new grandpa. Uh, it's showing up and being available to your family. But at the same time, you're still you're still trying to live through the stuff people don't know about. So yeah. talk about was there was there. Was there loneliness in the process of, of, of figuring out who you are and working through your anxiety and depression? Was there was there periods of time where you didn't really feel like there was anyone there for you? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that that is really an important component of, of getting healthy and right getting to health. It really is breaking through that loneliness and knowing that when you're with yourself, when you actually identify who you are, how you want to be, and it doesn't matter what that is, right? But who you are, how you want to be, that's when you connect with yourself in a way that makes loneliness impossible. And so initially, yeah, there is some loneliness. It's like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? I, I can't do this on my own, right? I needed a support team around me. And I was fortunate to have that, not only in my family, but with professionals that I've worked with. Um, but ultimately, I love to be alone now. I, I love to be with myself, with the authentic self that I am and that I've become. And I think that, you know, one of the things that's really scared me um, when, when you attempt suicide and I've had, my kids were uh, 12, 10 and six at the time. Wow. Right. And essentially I said to my children, I'm a fraud. I don't want to be here anymore. I am so unhappy. And I believe that you will be better off without me in the world. And that is something that's really hard to come back from because you have to explain to your children that this was a moment in time, right? Um, but together we can sort of work through and build back and, and build that trust because, you know, there's a fear of abandonment that comes along with that for somebody who's 12, 10 years old, for sure, right? Their dad disappeared. He was in the hospital for a while and, and you know, their mom was highly stressed out as a result of it. They didn't know how dramatic life was going to change. Um, or not, but um, in the end, we're obviously better off for it, right? You're always better off if you can be yourself and be committed to who that is and be your authentic self. But I think that, you know, as a parent, everybody wants their kids to be happy, right? That's the number one thing. Everybody says, I just want my children to be happy and healthy, right? If you want your kids to be happy, teach them resilience. And the way to teach them resilience is to show that it's okay to be vulnerable. And it's okay to admit that you need help and work through that, right, to a point where it gets better. And that's like, oh, okay, that's what resilience is. Life doesn't get any easier. We just get better at, at working through it, right? So teaching your children resilience, for me, teaching my children resilience was, was really the number one goal in the end because life just keeps coming at you and sometimes in a negative way. Uh, but if you're resilient, you can bounce back from anything. So as your children got older... And into their adult years, what kind of conversations have you had with them about things that have happened in the past and kind of where you're at now? 
Yeah. Kind of, how, can you give us an insight of that kind of conversation? Because I don't know yeah. how I would even <laughs> yeah. broach that that subject. Yeah, so it, it's interesting, uh, and I do talk about this in the book, but there are moments that I that I really walk through in terms of that reconnection. And it's different for each child because they were at different ages, different maturity levels, different personalities. And I think you have to meet that person where they are. Yeah. So breaking through to uh, health and, and something that's sustainable is sort of the first step, right? Then the second step is sitting down with your child and saying, hey, uh, let's talk about this. And for me, it was a matter of being prepared for what was going to come at me, right? Again, resilience, right? Take it in, listen, absorb it, not necessarily react in the moment, sort of digest that, and then come back with follow-up conversations, questions, confirmation. And I think that the best sermon is a good example, right? Ben, mm. Fra that's ben Franklin's quotes, it's one of my favorites. You could say to your kids all day long, right? My shirt is blue, but I'm wearing a black shirt. That is not going to change, right? Yeah. So, I think I think really following through with that behavior and cons and consistently is what children want and look for. And so um, I think that that what I've done, what I did first six months, eight months, 18 months was follow through on everything that I was trying to accomplish, whether it was as simple as going to bed at 10 o'clock and waking up at six and just being very consistent with that. And having them see that, right? They 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 model what they see. So um, having them see the the change in in the consistency is really important. But I went to, and I talk about this in the book. I, we went to a a, a a weekend therapy group session on a, on an island in Maine called Monhegan Island, and it's ten miles off the coast, middle of nowhere, middle of the Atlantic Ocean. There's nowhere to go. And we just hiked around this island for three days. And at one point, we sat down on a beach. And I just said, um, if you're comfortable, and my both my daughters are with me. I said, if you're comfortable, I would like to hear your experiences over the last couple of years. Because I was wow. two years after. And that was, and I'm, I'm feeling a little uh, emotional, that was incredibly intense. Yeah. And... After two years of consistency, they felt safe enough to tell me exactly what they thought and what they were feeling. Mm -hmm. And as a dad, I was so proud because they learned the lesson, right? And that's the, that's the magic of leadership. If you can lead them into the lesson and then they bring it back to you, wow. And it was really important to say, hey, will you share with me? But then knowing or know that you have to let that play itself out. You cannot step in and say, well, what about this? Or that wasn't really true. Or that was true for them, right? Whatever they shared was true for them. It might not have been true for me. And it made me sad at, at moments. But I think allowing them to share that without any sort of uh, noise around it, like, what about this? Or I don't agree with that or whatever. Just take it in and say, thank you. And that's it. And, and walk away with that new information and then use that information to continue to work on the relationship. You think prior to your hospitalization, you were in a term lost and then, and then coming through that you found yourself. Is that kind of, would that be an, anywhere close that, to that? Yeah, no, I think that, I think that's actually a fairly accurate description. I would say that I was lost 
I also didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know how lost I really was. Okay. And I think that's important. Okay. Talk a little bit about your relationship with your wife through all of this. You guys have a bond. She sounds like a character. She sounds like someone who has a lot of love and, you know, you two seem really, really amazing for each other. But talk about some of the conversations and some of the things going on behind the scenes with the two of you. Was she aware of your of the anxiety and depression? And to to and to what degree if she was? Yeah, she 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 knew that I um was depressed. She knew that I had severe levels of anxiety, but we really didn't have the language to understand how what the depth of that was or how to talk about it. Um it was a lot of, you know, back and forth, you don't do this, you don't do that, or or me feeling like like the um the identified patient, I guess, through the most part of our early relationship. And, um, you know, my wife has taught me and has always been somebody that provides unconditional love. And that, I think, is a fairly unique experience in the world. And when, when I came out of the hospital and started to go through this process of burning back my life and who I am, my wife said, listen, we can we could walk away from each other, you know, and, and we both live lives. I mean, who knows what that would look like. Uh, but we got some professional advice from somebody who said, listen, why not work on this inside the relationship? We don't know where it's going to go. Um, and, and if it works out, great. And if it doesn't, well, that's OK, too. But let's at least try. You've been together for so long, right? At yeah. that point, we were together for 25 years. It made a lot of sense to us. Um but I think what's important as it relates to kids specifically is, um, and, and we were guilty of this as well, you have to be a separate entity, right? So you've got your relationship with yourself, you've got your and your wife's relationship, right. and then you've got your relationship with your kids, and then you've got the relationship between you, your wife, and your kids, and whatever that family structure looks like. But it was important to take those four pillars and separate them and identify them individually. Because for those relationships to grow, they have to they have to be defined in a way that has them separated and not sort of lumped all together. I think as a parent, we, we sort of sat back and said, OK, we've got these kids and we become this entity together. Right. We're father and mother together with our children. And it was really helpful for me to identify my own relationship with my kids, with each kid. Right. But then also, obviously, to have the, the mother-father relationship as an entity as well. I think that's really important. Did, and then, like, looking back in hindsight, talking with your, with your, part, with your spouse, your partner, was there, was there feedback from her? Was she picked up on something that was off or something was you, something had changed in the relationship? Something had changed in you? Was there anything that she kind of caught some kind of warning sign that something was, something was not going well? Yeah, I think that she obviously knew um, through our relationship that I was um, anxious and depressed. But like I said, we didn't have the language for it. She did not understand um, how deep that depression went. And um, I was at times suicidal, um, but highly functioning in my world. You know, I, I got up every day at five o'clock in the morning. I went to work. I was a successful executive. I was making a lot of money. But when you function in a way when you're depressed uh, and you push yourself out into the world and then you come home, you're like a wet rag. You know, you're done. You, you feel tired. 
you have nothing left. And so that's when the, those are the moments when she would say, you know, right. But again, she didn't understand the depth of it. Yeah. And it almost feels like you're acting in a sense that you're putting on a display for everyone around you to keep this facade alive, but you're emotionally spent by the end of all of this because you've had to be on your game or right. whatever to, to, to give yourself a level of protection. Um, I, I have a person that I've known in my life that is no longer with us. And this is why when I met with you the first time, it, it, it we lost him and it, you know, this is exactly what happened to him, but we didn't get him back. And so having you on my show for living the next chapter and then having you back again today, there's a lot of things that I can look back on and see how he went from being super to himself to then really happy and excited and joyful and laughing. And he was like, he got new life. And I'm like, like he was completely different person. Uh, more energetic, more outgoing, not so introverted. Um, like, you know, he was like, wow, things are really going well for this guy. And that was it. That yeah. was his, it was like he, he came to a point where he had come to some sort of peace with himself, I guess. And, and then we lost him. And I, I just makes me, what makes me wonder, like we think of, um, you know, all of the, the the stars that we see on TV who are with us, the Robin Williams and people like that, that are, they're just, they're full of joy and they make people laugh and they, they light up a room, but behind the scenes, they're, they're struggling. And yeah. it, it's not, it's not the quiet ones, I guess, is what I'm thinking right. in reference to the person that I, I knew. It's not the quiet ones. It could be the ones that are the life of the party. And it's really hard to tell as a caregiver, as a parent, as a, as a spouse, whatever, it's hard to tell where everybody's at and, mm -hmm. and to build that bridge and keep those relationships strong. So is there something that you were looking for back in those days that you weren't getting? Was there, what was, what was that thing for you? Yeah, it really wasn't. And, and the acting analogy is a very good one, by the way. It's accurate because you, you do that. You act and then you're so tired from acting that you got nothing left when at the end of the day or the end of the week. Um, I, it, it wasn't so much that I was looking for something. I, I guess what I was, I wasn't experiencing happiness. Okay. I couldn't really feel happy. And it didn't matter what I did, right? It didn't matter how much success I had. Any, any anything new materialistically that came into my life, it just didn't matter. And the reason at the end of the day was that I was sitting on this childhood trauma that was had put scars in my my soul, basically. And so I had to work back from that. You know, I had to and and look, I tried to repeat that process for my children, right? I I, I almost created a traumatic event for them yeah. that they would spent the rest of their life trying to work back from. Um so these traumas that I experienced, which I talk about in the book, um, scarred me in a way that just had me stuck in belief that I deserved that, that there was nothing else that, that I could get in my life as a result of the fact that I had experienced these painful events. Um, and there were a few of them. And I don't care if you have one or you have 10. It doesn't really matter. 
It's about the energy of that. And then the story that you carry as a result of that. Um, and so I'm fortunate that I've been able to help my children work through the, the trauma that they experienced. And they're going to have other traumas. And they do. They have other traumas. And, you know, they're going on their own journey. But at least uh, I've, I've healed the one that I would have created. And then just finding that joy, that that life. Um, you, you look for joy in your relationships. You're looking for joy in life and laughter and all that through your kids. But then you also have to find it for yourself as well, yeah. right? Because yeah. if you all, if all of your joy and, and all your identity is wrapped up in a relationship or another person, you're really not focusing again on yourself. You're yeah. kind of and still it, acting in that sense, right? 100%. And it's not fair to the people around you. It's hard. And it's okay to say, uh, I'm not being fair, right? Um, but it's kind of like the oxygen mask on the airplane. You've yeah. got to put your own mask on first. It's the same thing. And so if you're not 100%, right, if you're not completely connected to yourself, if you're not living authentically in the way that you want to live, you can't be there for other people, especially your children. And so identifying with who you are, how you want to live, and who you are authentically and being honest about that, then you come out of the room and say, you know what? Okay, I'm here. I'm present. I can be 100%. And it's those small moments, the coffee in the fridge, you know, statement that make those connections just almost impossible to break. So had there been a podcast or a book like yours back then, in addition to what we've talked about, what else would you have needed to hear or been exposed to that maybe would have given you a little bit of light in, the, in, the, in that dark time? I think if somebody who I could identify with that, that really spoke in a way that resonated with me may have turned me around, may have said, okay, I'm, I'm okay. I'm ready to ask for help, right? I clearly needed help. I needed professional help. That wasn't going to change, but it might have set, sparked me into believing that, yeah, I could do something about this. And for me, you know, I, I was a college athlete. Um, I've been in business for, for 30 plus years. I've, I've been very successful. Um, I, I have children, all of these things, right? If somebody had stood up and said, hey, I'm you and it's okay to ask for help, that might have pushed me over the top. And I don't know, you know, when you're in it, uh, you know, yeah. you're sometimes you're in denial, but you're also just trying to just trying to survive. So, James, talk to the uh, the listener who is exactly where you were struggling um your your point at the very beginning of the of our chat about you know the celebrating your your new grandchild and the fact that you you would have robbed everyone of by not being here to experience that that was a mm. that was a mm, for me that one really touched something um yeah so talk to the talk to the person that's listening to us they're here with us right now they're here because of the title of your book. They're here for the title of the episode, but no one knows what they're what they're feeling right now. Mm -hmm. um, they're really good at acting. They're really good at this facade. They've got it down pat, um, but they're living dangerously close to to something in the future, and we don't want them to go there. Obviously, you need they need help. That's the first thing. But from your perspective from your heart to them directly, not through me, but speaking to them right now, one-on-one, -on -one, what would you say to them when you know what this feels like? 
I think, first of all, you know, the National Suicide Hotline is, is something that, that is available and and people should definitely utilize if they have an, an immediate um, issue because uh, you can't you really don't want to play around with that. Yeah. Um, and then, so secondly, um, ask for help. To me, that's the most important step is just asking for help and saying, hey, it, it's okay. I'm telling you, it's okay to ask for help. In fact, it takes a lot more strength and courage to ask for help than it does to not ask for help. And so ask your spouse, ask your mom, ask your parents, ask anybody that is available to you. Say, hey, I'm not doing too well. I need help. And then let it go from there. Um, I, I think that's the most important first step is to just ask. And as a leader, right, as a parent, we're talking about dads here. As a leader, the most important thing you can do is create that path. And it's okay. As a leader, to say, I don't know the answer. You know, I run a, I run two times and I bring meditation into the, into the boardroom. I teach people that I work with how to meditate and how to communicate. And if I don't know the answer to something, I'm saying, hey, I don't know. But that's why I have all you people, because I hire smart people, right? Yeah. And we all need help. And, you know, I I, my, I, I have an accountant that does my taxes. Sometimes yeah. I go to the gym and I work out and I hire a personal trainer or whatever, right? We, we're all okay with, with hiring these professionals, mechanics, to work on our cars. Right. Why is exactly. it not okay to hire somebody to work on your head and your heart? Mm. That that's that's the conversation that I would have. So remove the stigma of weakness from the conversation because it's not a weakness. It could be your strength to find yeah. those people and surround yourself with the right people who can speak life into you and and help you. Yeah, and the, and the last thing I would say is, on my darkest day, right on my darkest day, I would never imagined that today would be. Hmm. And it's happening. Wow. Well, I got to tell you, you're a good looking grandpa. First of all, I think, <laughs> I think of grandpas. I think of like old guys or get off my lawn type. And uh, you, it's a, it's a, it's a joy to see the smile on your face and the, and the glow as you talk about your family and your extended family now. And but like you said, a whole new generation yeah. to now be a model for. And I look back to my grandparents and the struggles they had when they were young, where the world was at when they were young was a totally different place. Yeah. But, you know, they were a great model to me as a kid growing up and spending time with them on the kitchen table, and watching my grandmother make pie. And, and their yeah. relationship was a model for me where I wanted to emulate that as, as an adult when I grew up because they were such a great examples. And now you get to do that for your your grandchildren that's 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 an honor to be able to carry this yeah. this story forward so again congratulations on on that and uh it's great to hear your family is is growing and and you guys are doing well um james tell everybody where do we find the book and how do we support you um after this conversation i appreciate that the book is on amazon it's it's just you know look it up there's coffee in the fridge it'll pop up on amazon I have an Instagram page called There's Coffee in the Fridge, and the website is There's Coffee in the Fridge.com. And, um, you know, if anybody is, chooses to reach out to me, I will respond directly. Uh, there's also a Facebook page, There's Coffee in the, in the Fridge. I get a lot of, uh, messages from people who have read the book, uh, and are just amazed at, uh, their own, the way it resonates with them in their own lives. 
and I've helped people sort of get to where they need to get to to get the help they need. Uh, but the bottom line is, let's start a conversation and and keep it going. It's great, and we'll include links, James, in the show notes for those that are looking for help. Please use those links. Reach out, get some help, talk to somebody who's there for you. That's why they're there. Um, they're waiting to speak to you. So please use those resources. And um, I think this is a great book to give as well. Um, it's a great Father's Day gift. It's a great whatever gift to give to a, to a man in your life that um, you think from all intents purposes, it seems like everything's great. Um, they might really appreciate this book because it's something you can read in private. You can go through this and learn from James's example. And um, yeah, I would love to see a, a coffee sponsor for you too in the future yeah. because it's right there in the name. Um, so if you're a coffee sponsor, reach out, let James know. Um, but James, thank you so much for, for being part of this and um, for also for being on Living the Next Chapter. Um, it's a great, it's great to have this interaction with you and your story is, is amazing. And like I said, the first time I met you, there was something about you and your story that really resonated with me personally. So that's why I was so excited to have you on my show and now have you back again. So thank you for being so vulnerable and for sharing really with, with the guys here at Dad Space because I think uh, your message is going to help a lot of people. It already has. It's going to continue. So thank you. I appreciate it, Dave. I appreciate you, and I, I love what you're doing, and I really thank you so much for having me. Good luck with your, uh, with your grandchild. That's all thank you. Thank you. Right. I'm following your lead. Maybe there's a book in your future about being a grandpa or something. I don't know. I don't know. Think about it. Get, get to work, okay? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> there's, there's baby formula in the kitchen or something. Maybe that's the name. <laughs> there you go. So everyone go check out all the uh, information in the show notes and again James thank you so much for making time for this appreciate it thank you hey thanks for listening to Dad Space today I'm so thankful that you were here for this episode if uh, you like the show please let another dad know hey <laughs> that kind of rhymed anyways uh, share the episode out with somebody in your circle who would love Dad Space that means so much to us here for our guests who donate their time to be on the show and we just want to see this grow so again another rhyme oh wow anyhow <laughs> um i think i need to write a song or something thank you for being here for with dad space and again looking forward to the next episode look forward to having you here again with us and if we can help you in any way if you have a great guest idea for the show, a topic that we would, you would love us to cover, we would love to do that here on Dad Space. So thanks for listening and thanks for being part of the community. And to you, Dad, thank you for listening and thank you for sharing Dad Space. Catch you on the next one. Take care.